What's up? This is Alex from Hella Humanities. Today, I am interviewing Kat Clark, a creator of the project Teachers and Their Power, a wonderful project that's pushing to change the story around teachers and society. Listen in to Kat and I talking about her project, why she started it, how it's going, and of course, how you can help support changing the narrative around teachers. So stick around. All right, welcome back to Hello Humanities. I have with me wonderful friend, incredible project manager, Kat Clark. Kat, how are you? It's so good to have you. I I have COVID as previously disclosed, but yes. other than that, I am doing fantastic, Alex, and I'm very happy to be here. It's so wonderful to have you, and I'm uh, again apologies for uh, for having COVID and uh, and appreciate you being able to <laughs> to get onto the Zoom and and talk with me um, about your particular project. So you have a project called Teachers and Their Power, and I would just love for you to start this conversation by explaining what is Teachers and Their Power and maybe how you kind of got interested in it, like how you got uh, inspired by this type of project. Awesome. I would love to for for my mom, for your mom, and any other listeners. All the moms out there. Yeah. All the moms out there. Here's an explanation. So I work on this project, like you said, called Teachers in Their Power. I started it last summer when I left my job in ed tech. And Mm. essentially, I travel around the United States interviewing teachers, including Alex Robbins, who will be coming up on the docket pretty soon about their experiences as teachers, what they would like people to better understand about teaching as a Mm. profession, and also asking about, you know, current events, things that are happening that we don't often hear from teachers on. I take portraits. And so in that way, a lot of the posts are similar to Humans of New York for people who have seen Mm -hmm. that. And then more and more, I'm also doing some video components for the project. So there are Instagram reels and things like that as well. Nice. And so how, what is it that sort of got you interested in telling different types of stories? Obviously with the, the title teachers in their power, there is kind of a creation of a narrative there that, that teachers maybe are not usually in their power or not seen as being in their power. So how did you decide to kind of reclaim maybe that story for teachers and kind of move in that direction? Absolutely. So I think what's interesting for me is that I worked in four schools and early on, I wanted to be a classroom teacher myself. Mm. I didn't know exactly what my path would look like coming out of undergrad about a dozen years ago, but I, I did want to try my hand at teaching. I never ended up doing it full time when I worked in schools because it's the hardest job in the entire universe. And I grew to have more and more respect for teachers. Um, I felt like a lot of the work I was doing in administration, in communications, you know, in strategy, even in team management Mm -hmm. was a lot easier for me, frankly, than classroom management and teaching middle schoolers or high schoolers. Um, And so I had seen a lot of teachers in their power. I worked with a lot of teachers who I found to be extremely powerful, especially in the context of their own classroom. And when, for anybody who's been in a school, you know, with great 
highly qualified teachers, which I believe is most schools um, in the U.S. anyway, Mm -hmm. walking around, you feel that magic. You see like what control teachers have in the classroom and how they're working so hard to be lifelong learners and continue pushing kids to be lifelong learners as well. And the biggest motivator for me to start the project, I think, was the disconnect between what I had experienced and witnessed over and over, um, including when I was working at Apple and I was working with, you know, thousands of teachers all around the world. I felt this energy. I felt this magic. And I did not see that in the media. I Mm. did not see that on social media. I saw like a very narrow projection and perspective of what teaching is being put out on the internet (laughs) and consumed. And I think, you know, in addition to all of the challenges that teachers definitely are facing in terms of pay, in terms of not having enough time, working so long outside of hours, there is a lot of negativity that's purely driven by that narrative that spirals things get worse, in my opinion, in the teaching profession, because we're reinforcing that in the media. And so through this project, I'm not typically like I am right now putting out my own opinion and my own voice. I've simply sought to receive nominations from people around the country of teachers who they feel like stand in their power and have something to share and maybe aren't asked questions as often as they should be about what they think about teaching and learning. How do you think the narrative of that place for teachers in media and conversations and like the discourse, how do you feel like it got to that point? Like, was do you think there was a particular catalyst? Do you think it's been a slow kind of erosion of the place of teachers in society? Uh, I mean, obviously I'm asking you to speculate, but do you, do you really kind of have a sense of, of why you think it's, it's gone in that direction? It's a super difficult question. A lot of times when people ask me that, I first have to kind of present evidence that that's even the case, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. not everyone has the impression and it's definitely, it's not a global impression. It does differ from country to country. Not everyone has the impression that teachers are less respected now than they used to be or that the narrative is more negative than it used to be. So a 2018 Phi Delta Kappen poll of the American public's attitudes toward the public schools showed that the majority of Americans, 54%, indicated they do not want their children to become teachers. This was a 23-point drop from 2011, where it was, you know only a third of people didn't want their children to become teachers, and a massive drop from 1969, when the parents who were polled, only 15% said they would discourage their children from becoming teachers. So when we talk about that dramatic change over time in public perception of teaching, that's one of the easiest ways to encapsulate it in 1969, only 15% of people did not want their children to become teachers. And by 2022, the most recent poll, 62% of parents said they do not want their children to become teachers. Unreal. I think there is a way that that teachers and how we are sort of seen and looked at by society has certainly changed um, undeniably. And I think COVID obviously is a huge part of that. Um, just understanding, I think, what teachers could or couldn't do in the context of COVID and and ultimately what then came out the other side when it came to like school openings and teachers unions and this sort of 
this back and forth and, and real adversarial relationship, it seemed like, between teachers and families and students, which is, is to me strange because we're both on the side of wanting kids in, into classrooms to learn, uh, mm-hmm. as well as sort of individual experiences and, and, and preferences and all that. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I definitely feel like as a teacher, I've noticed that changing, although I'm sure in different communities in different ways. Mm-hmm. I do, I, I'm curious then about the types of teachers you end up gravitating toward. Like you said, generally you are recommended teachers. Do you feel like there's a type of teacher or uh, an age? I know you, I think you do kind of all through, all elementary, middle, high, uh, mm-hmm. continuing ed. Is there a particular type of teacher or something about teachers that you tend to gravitate toward in terms of this project? In terms of the nominations, I feel like it's a it's a pretty decent spread and it doesn't necessarily correlate to what we see in terms of the demographics of teachers. Like I think we all know sort of anecdotally and also through research that most teachers in the United States are women and a lot of them are white women. Mm-hmm. Um, for the project, I think I've gotten a greater spread than what exists out in America right now, which is awesome. Like I think people are seeing the project and then very intentionally nominating voices that they feel like are underrepresented, which is cool. Um, in terms of who I select, it it really kind of depends on logistics some as well. And so if I already know that I'm going to be traveling to a certain area, then I try to bundle a group of people from there and maybe not choose out too many teachers who teach the same subject or a similar experience according to the nomination. Um, One thing that's interesting is that a lot of the teachers are specials teachers, or they refer to themselves as specials teachers. They're electives Mm. teachers, right? So the arts in particular, I feel like get a little overrepresented. Um, And through the interview process, I've (laughs) I've definitely learned that there are reasons for that, especially within public school systems. There are reasons that those teachers often seem to be happier and more satisfied with their jobs. Can you say more about that? I'm super as a (laughs) non-special teacher, (laughs) non-elective teacher. I'm super curious about what you mean, um, what you mean. I think a lot of it has to, and again, this is ju- this is purely based off of what teachers have told me. Totally. Um, so I've learned a lot throughout this process, but it seems like time is distributed very, very differently for electives teachers. And that also they're often able to form stronger relationships with their students because they may have smaller class sizes, like definitely under 25 students for a lot of the you know, special subjects in schools. Um, They also have given me examples of, hey, you know, if I am a ninth grade geometry teacher, I usually only get one group of students one time, maybe Mm -hmm. their freshman year of high school. But if I'm a music teacher, I get those students when they're in ninth grade and they're first learning this instrument or they're first doing choir. And then I am their like closest musical confidant until they graduate from high school. And I help make recommendations for them to college. And then when they come back to school, they want to visit me. And so I think that gives those teachers sort of more motivation because for all of the teachers who I talk to, their strongest motivation is generally the relationships with the students. And I think that specialist teachers 
are given more opportunities for various reasons to build those relationships that have long longevity. It's it's interesting you say that because there's this almost kind of self-fulfilling action there where you have, <clears throat> excuse me, you have teachers who connect more intentionally or they have more time or whatever it might be to the students. And then that creates more uh, time and love for the profession, which creates more community building with the students. And it's this sort of uh, the ball rolling down the hill and gathering steam, the more relationships they're able to create, the, the more successful they are at becoming a teacher who students are going to want to create relationships with. And mm -hmm. I think that's, that makes total sense. And I love your reasoning for um, why it is that that type of teacher tends to be the ones who are recommended, who, who obviously are trying to retell the story of their experience as teachers because of that sort of larger connection. Mm -hmm. And I definitely would echo the idea that generally I would think, and certainly for myself, the reason we get into this game of being a teacher is those relationships and uh, just being able to support students and watch them grow and, and be part of their lives and and feel like we are adding something to uh, to society and and to, to helping to build our students up, which I think is a, a relatively noble thing to do. Totally. And some of the most common barriers and challenges that come up for all teachers are also barriers and challenges that those teachers who lead electives tell me they don't necessarily face, mm. right? Because for example, using math again, or maybe, you know, English language arts is another good one. If it's something that's being tested on and the school is being evaluated against and funding is being evaluated against, those teachers are under a very different pressure from teachers who are teaching non tested subjects. Yes. And so I, I've definitely kind of gathered over time these different themes and topics, which you can browse on the website. There's kind of the topics on the sidebar of the blog. And you'll see recurring themes come up about the positives and the negatives. And it's just, yeah, it's very interesting. It has made me think about, should I become an arts teacher of some kind? Like this seems like an, a, an amazing job other than inadequate pay, of course. <laughs> Well, and that's, can I say like, that's also relative and it depends totally. where you teach yeah. in the district. And, um, <clears throat> and there's definitely conversations that I would love to have about that too. Um, I'm, I'm wondering about in this project in the life, how long have you been, been working on this project and do you have kind of an ultimate goal? Are you trying to hit a particular number of teachers or over a certain amount of time or get I don't know what what are the sort of long-term goals for the project and what what are you trying to hope to get out of it as a i don't know as a larger uh not just personal project but project for for the sort of the good of of uh the good of us all totally um so i started I guess, officially last summer when I left my job at Apple, I was on the K-12 worldwide education strategy team there for three years. I was at a good in inflection point where my team was very stable. We had launched a big program and I was just evaluating my life, you know, as a, as a single person living in the Bay area, I always had to have a roommate. I knew I would never pretty much never be able to buy a home there. And I felt a lot of pressure in a lot of different ways to have my life 
stay at a certain pace essentially. And I wasn't sure that that's what I wanted. And I didn't want to constantly feel like, um, it wasn't okay to be independent or to, to want to eventually live alone or maybe even start a family on my own. Um, and so I was thinking about all of those things and, you know, as it often does, that line of thinking got me, uh, wondering about what it is that I love the most and care the most about. And I always felt like my conversations with teachers, especially when teachers were my colleagues, Mm. made me feel that kind of soul magic that you, you know, dream to be able to feel in a job. And I felt like that was where I belonged. I felt like I really belonged in school communities, even though I didn't necessarily feel like I belonged at the front of a classroom. Um, And I, I was thinking about like, should I go? I had gone to, I had finished business school at Berkeley. Um, I had had this position at Apple. If I wanted to be back in schools, I was thinking, do I have to become like a school administrator? But at the same time, I'm one of those people who doesn't necessarily believe that school administrators should not be lifelong teachers before they become administrators. Um, And so I decided, all right, I'm going to think about what it is that I do best that I feel like I have the strongest skills in. And then I'm just going to talk to teachers about it and say like, hey, if I want to get back into schools and I want to be part of this conversation or at least elevating this conversation, what do you think I could do that would be helpful? So starting last spring in 2022, I had a ton of Zoom calls, uh, phone calls with different teachers who I knew and then teachers who they referred me to and people kind of more tangentially related to education as well. Um, And that's where the idea for Teachers in Their Power came from. Because it is such a passion project for me and it's all of the things I love to do, it's really hard for me to put an end date on it. I, I definitely have... I still have negative cash flow at this point, even though I am, you know, freelancing quite a bit and hustling to try to support the project. I have some collaborations coming up where there are some people contributing funding to the project for the first time, which is amazing. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, but I think like in short, my answer to your question would be that I love this. If I could figure out a way to actually, you know, pay all of my bills with this project in a way that still ethically felt sound yes, <laughs> and did not change the heart of the project, then I would want to keep doing it in, indefinitely. And right now I'm just going for as long as I, as long as I can. I, 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 I love that. And as a teacher, I, I love that you're recognizing the idea of like different people's involvement in education. You don't have to be an administrator. You don't have to be a teacher you, there are so many spaces to be involved in supporting public education and education generally. And as you, as you said, like the idea of being a teacher, like all three of, of, of our made administrators at my school were all former classroom teachers for, Mm -hmm. for many years. And so I agree. I think it gives them such a different way of approaching working with us and, 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 supporting and, and building uh, systems and support in the school. So I totally agree. And I, I so appreciate you wanting to give all of that personal love and attention toward um, a topic that's both close to your heart, but also like is not, you are not a teacher. 
And mm-hmm. I think it's amazing that you would spend that time and that gas mileage. And we're definitely going to plug <laughs> all of these things and make sure that people are donating to the project so that you can keep doing it. Fantastic. That yeah. would be wonderful. It's definitely been the biggest question on my mind lately. I'm coming up at a point where, you know, I have to figure out, am I a full-time freelancer? And then I'm doing this whenever I can. And if so, why, why don't I find a full-time job in education where I can also keep doing this where I have time? So it's been definitely like funding. Frankly, I was not expecting to be the hardest part of this because Mm. when I was talking to so many, like dozens of people starting this project, I talked to people who I went to business school with. I talked to, you know, professors, I talked to former professors. I talked to all kinds of folk technology folks. I talked to people at Apple, you know, everybody was so on board with this project and the need people felt like, yes, this is true. Like not only does the research say this is true, but I feel in my bones that the narrative about teaching has become super abysmal and I would love for you to do something about it. And so then over the past year, I've applied for at least a dozen grants, you know, and it's always been a, Oh, you're like, almost, this doesn't quite fit into the right category. Um, And I really have not been able, I mean, City Teaching Alliance, I'll give a shout out to them. They are going to be my biggest collaborator this fall. Mm -hmm. And they're very focused on elevating teacher voice. They're very focused on anti-racism and they have given the project freedom to explore with their teachers and their alumni. Um, But, you know, there really has been a huge challenge with funding other than that. Can I, can I say, because I was thinking about the, that just strikes me as kind of a lot of the larger, your experience so far in trying to craft this this change of narrative is exactly the change of narrative. It is that the sort of um, virtue signaling of saying that teachers matter and we care about mm-hmm. them and, and yet then not actually supporting those things with feet or money, right? Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, that's, 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 a, that's obviously a bummer and I'm, I, I'm hoping that this, it sounds like this project is, is, is reaching so many people and is obviously do, being done in good faith and out of love and personal connection. And I feel like that type of project just has to succeed. It just has to, and, and it already is. And looking through your work on Instagram and your blog, it's just so obvious how much you care about the teachers that you're working with and you're interviewing and you're, you're, um, you're photographing. Is that how you say that word? Yes. Photoing. <laughs> I couldn't think shooting. But photographing. The, yeah, photographing. <laughs> um, but it's just so, it's so obvious how much care and thought is put into it. And the quotes you have, I love that those quotes are always longer. They make you click on the quote to read the whole thing. And it's just, it's so appreciate, you know, I'm one teacher, but it's so lovely to, to be able to read about other teachers, uh, especially ones in the Bay Area who I don't know, uh, or hear about schools and just see and hear some of the things that other teachers are doing, because there is such an important part of, of society that is based around storytelling. And as a history teacher, for me, storytelling is the game. It's the whole thing. It's how we tell stories, what language we use, what emotions and adjectives we choose, what we choose to leave out. And 
I love that you are trying to highlight and change the narrative around, especially again, power, this idea that like teachers in their power, uh, this is an experience that the teacher gets the sort of um, the mouthpiece and gets to share their own experiences. And again, as a teacher, I'm just incredibly appreciative of your work. So thank you. Alex, I mean, I would be curious. I don't know if listeners at home would be curious. I would assume so, but I would be curious to know what your experience was like. Your interview hasn't been published yet, but I did fly out and see you and photograph you and interview you. I mean, is there anything you want to share about? Was that a wacky experience for you, Alex? Well, I mean, it was, was, you know, the fact that I, I, I don't love, uh, I don't go through a lot of photo shoots. I don't know if you, if this is, this is something that many people know, but I am not photographed very often uh, for projects like this. So it was, I mean, first of all, it was wonderful to be nominated by someone and to feel like that recognition was important of a teacher like me, I guess. But also it, it was wonderful because I really appreciated your interest and attempt to, again, be the, I guess, megaphone for a story like mine, which is relatively in some ways kind of a, just a middling story. I mean, I'm not trying to like talk myself down <laughs> or, or like, I don't know, that's, um, but I, I think regular teacher stories are themselves the important part of this. There is a way sometimes that we hold up these like magical teachers or magical anything and say like, what a, what a person or what a, what a CEO, what a teacher, what a, what a doctor. Yet so much of what makes these, uh, these professions and society wonderful are the people who are actually doing the work every day who are just doing great. They don't have to be magical. They don't have to be the named all of these particular awards. It just has to be people who are grinding and, mm -hmm. and loving that part of the grind. And so what I appreciated from that is that I was among teachers uh, as part of the project. See, I'm framing this back to you. Um, <laughs> teachers who are, who are just grinding and who are, who are doing good work and who are not asking for this type of work. We are just doing the thing that we believe in. And mm -hmm. these stories, uh, in reading them, these are stories of teachers who they're not looking for, please give me credit. They're teachers who are saying, listen, I'm going to do this whether or not Kat Clark shows up and takes pictures of me or interviews me. We're, mm -hmm. we're just doing the thing that we care about and believe in, and we're going to keep doing it regardless of mm -hmm. that attention. And that's what I think is also such a beautiful objective of this project is to frame this not as an extra special person doing extra special things. It's, it's, you know, regular working person's work that is making this society and this, this place, this country better because of people who are just grinding. And it's interesting that whenever you hear in politics, talk about, you know, talk about working class folks or, you know, the sort of ways in which these ideas are bandied about. I don't hear a lot of talk about teachers. Teachers aren't, are usually not talked about as working class or the mm. hard hats. And it's, you know, we, we, we are working in public schools. We're working in communities that are helping to raise these next generations.
who I might add are completely deserving of that education and support and admiration. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's a long, I guess that's a long way of saying that it was real nice. <laughs> it was real nice for you to come and, and, uh, and photograph me uh, and interview me. And I was incredibly flattered and, uh, and slightly embarrassed, but, <laughs> but really appreciative. You were fantastic. It oh. was, I loved meeting you. I loved coming to your classroom and seeing the billion photos that you have on your wall. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, I've had a lot of good kids. I, I've been very lucky. And I'm glad that you have recognized in the project that I'm, it's not an award, right? I'm not trying to, it feels like that sometimes, but I'm not trying to just nominate a teacher who checks certain boxes or ask people to say, I want this person to be teacher of the year. And this person is perfect. They've never done anything at all that like would mean uh, you know, that they're a normal human being. These are normal human beings who I'm trying to interview. And it's been an interesting progression with the project where I feel like in the beginning, I was able to convince the audience of that. People had that impression. They felt like, okay, she's interviewing teachers. These are regular teachers. And these are really interesting stories. As it's progressed, and I've put out more and more content, I've gotten the feedback of like, why are you only interviewing amazing teachers? Why are you only interviewing these teachers who aren't like anybody else? You know, these teachers, especially from a non-teacher audience, I'll get mm. the feedback of like, well, this doesn't change my opinion of teaching because these teachers seem very unique and exceptional and not like any of the teachers I know. And that is a very interesting tension yeah. because I don't feel like actually a lot of the teachers who are getting nominated are, you know, that one teacher out of a thousand. I feel like they are representative of what I have seen throughout my whole career in teaching and that I am just helping other people see what I see. That when people read the stories, they are seeing the teachers through my eyes. And like you said, with the love that I have for teaching and the importance that I think teaching holds. And then they interpret the story as this person must be an angelic creature in real life. And so I'm now struggling with that and trying to figure out like, how do I make it clear <laughs> that these are humans, you know, to an even further extent than people seem to be interpreting it. Yeah. It's, and that's such, I think where we are in society now, where we, we try to uplift this thing and make these things extra special or, or almost we don't take certain things seriously if they're not, because how -hmm. is it possible that regular people could be going about doing great things every day? They Mm -hmm. have to be magnificent or, or terrible. There's it's, you know, part of our larger binary conversation about everything. Um, and so, yeah, I, 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 I think you said it really perfectly. This idea that what you are doing is, trying to showcase and support the the work of teachers and how it is that teachers are going about their everyday doing yeoman's work that is itself uplifting and we're not doing it to be uplifted we are doing it to help uplift we are helping these kids become the best selves that they can be and that's the you know you mentioned the the photos on my wall and just for me, those, those kids didn't need me. They were going to be just fine. 
but they, I was able to be there to help support them and give them love and give them some skills maybe sometimes and mm -hmm. just help them to see that they themselves could achieve those things. It, it wasn't about what I was doing. It was about like, I'm just holding up a mirror saying, yo, you're good enough. You can do this. Uh, and if you don't do it, it's okay. Like you'll, mm -hmm. you'll do it again or you'll do something else. And to me, like that's, I mean, I teach high school. That's for me, how I look at it is these kids are going to be just fine, but mm -hmm. I'm here just to show them that, that they can, they can do it. And, uh, and if I, you know, I just even get a chance to, to meet and hang out with them in a class, then sure. I'll take a senior picture, but I, I just, I, I really, I really feel like incredibly lucky to be a part of, of young people's lives in, in helping support them. And so I just am so appreciative of you and, and how you're supporting us uh, and fellow teachers to actually continue to do that. So thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing my best. I think there's, there's so much more that could be done. And I was, I was reflecting on the part of the conversation we were having earlier in terms of funding and virtue signaling and what people will support. Mm -hmm. And you're making me think about kind of the parallel between teaching as a profession and then and then trying to do a project like like this one, it's almost um, it's not almost as if it is as if, according to, you know, the Frameworks Institute and just the science of framing in general, a thing that when we feel like someone cares and cares very deeply about something, we don't actually want them to get paid. Like we don't believe that pay should correlate with caring. Yes. And so, <laughs> and so Such a good teachers, it's like, hey, Alex, like you care so much. You want to uplift these students and you keep saying that's all that you care about. And this other part of our brain, you know, as a society is thinking, and because of that, we're not going to pay you very yes. much because yes. people who get paid a lot are people who don't care as much, don't enjoy their jobs. And so I think it's kind of a, it's a little bit of a flaw in how I'm approaching the project as well. And maybe it's something I could do differently in terms of figuring out like how to motivate people to take an action or make a change. Mm. I think my main, the main thing I'm trying to do, the main call to action is like, Hey, I want to move the needle on how you think about teaching. I want you the next time a teenager says to you, I'm, I think I might want to be a social studies teacher. I want people to have a different vision in their head. Yeah. <laughs> Holding your heart. Uh, I want people to have a different vision in their head of like what that looks like and how cool and important that job is. But, you know, maybe, maybe it should also be something more like sometimes people will ask, Hey, I, I really loved this one teacher, this one teacher's story. And they do feel motivated from that personal story to donate to that person's Amazon wish list or where their donors choose or whatever it is. Um, I don't think the project is motivating people and encouraging people to give to this work to help mm. more teachers be elevated. And and maybe it's just not designed that way. And so that's what's gonna make it, you know, hard to maintain in the in the long term. But also that's to me, and just to sort of put a fine point on that, that is the point. Because if this is encouraging people to put money into their Amazon wish list, we've completely missed the point. Why is it that <laughs> teachers have an Amazon wish list to pay for stuff in their classrooms? Right. It is it is it is putting a band-aid on a on a gaping wound. Like this is mm -hmm. that's not so like I don't think it is your 
your job to be helping us get crowdfunding and <laughs> pay for pencils. And I love that. I love that recognition because it's true. And unfortunately, back to sort of the original point is that ends up being the narrative. Please crowdfund so that I can buy tissues right. for my students. We've completely missed the boat then because mm -hmm. why am I having to pay for tissues for my students? Right. Why are my students sick? Like there's so many questions to me that are deeper uh, underneath that sort of window dressing. And, and I, I think that your project uh, is just a great way then to tell that story to begin for, for those who are not teachers or not in education to understand that it's about changing that systemic challenge that teachers are facing and mm -hmm. that, that we are not on a sinking ship and we're shoveling water out, that we can actually get off the ship and get onto land and not mm -hmm. have to be slowly sinking. Uh, mm -hmm. Pardon the, 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 the boating metaphor. No, I loved it. I'm near Lake Michigan, all about <laughs> Oh, <that>. yes. <laughs> so just to sort of finish, where is it that we can find this incredible project? Can you just like put some plugs in, give us some blog info, the Insta, <laughs> like give us the handles. Where are you? Where's this project? Where can, can the listeners find you? Totally. Teachersintheirpower.com is the website where you can see the blog, all of the topics you can, you know, browse by individual, um, on that website, you can also find links to all of the social media channels where the stories appear. The primary one at this point is Instagram and the stories are also posted every day on LinkedIn and Facebook. Mm. The video content for the project is posted in those places as well, but it's also posted on YouTube channel. You can find, um, if you cannot remember the .com, part of that address for any reason. If you Google teachers in their power, it will come up for sure. Perfect. Thank you so much, Kat, for just all this incredible info. And I'm incredibly excited to, to see where the project goes. Thank you, Alex. Thanks so much to Kat Clark for joining me on Hello Humanities today. Such a great conversation about her project Teachers in Their Power. Hope you enjoy it. Come on back next time from me, Alex, at Hello Humanities. Peace.